Hello, my lovely people, and welcome to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. This week, we will be talking about Weave a Tangled Web, season five, episode 10, first aired January 15th, 1989. And the IMDb summary reads, the murder of a womanizing gambler leads to double lives being exposed in seemingly quaint and old-fashioned Cabot Cove. So let's get into the trivia, which I'm sure all of you already know, but hey, some may not. The title is based on a quotation from author Walter Scott, and the quote is, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive, end quote. And that perfectly sums up like everything in this episode, okay? Well-titled episode. So we have two returners. First, we have Mel Ferrer or Farrar. And we will recognize him as Eric Brom, the hotel manager and believed gold digger, you know, <laughs> who was actually married to Mona Montclair, but they had to keep it on the low. That guy from Widow Weep for Me, season two, episode one. In this episode, he plays Miles Austin, and this will be his last murder she wrote episode. And then we have James Satoris, and we will recognize him as Professor Ron Mercer. He was a murder suspect, I believe it was, in School for Scandal, season two, episode four. And in this episode, oh yeah, he was the one he was, who his wife and him also had a station wagon and the station wagon was seen at night, I believe going to the school's president or Dean, whoever she was, who was trying to get, uh, sexual favors in return for Ron getting a promotion that he actually deserved and was qualified for. But yeah, she was, yeah, she was the one with the wild daughter, Daphne, who came into the party naked, except for a fur coat, who had, uh, who was her boyfriend? He was a super creeper. Um, It was the mustache that really, mm. but yeah, so the creeper guy who the daughter was dating was also messing around with the mother. Yeah, that was a spicy episode. Now thinking about it. Yeah, School for Scandal, season two, episode four. Check out the review, check out the episode, full circle. In this episode, he plays Ralph Proctor. So let's get into the cast. We have Vivian, Ralph, Danny, and Debbie Proctor. We have Eric Bowman, Miles Austin, Augie Spector, Margot Bowman, Frankie the Barman, okay? And we have Sheriff Mort Metzger, Dr. Seth Hazlitt and Deputy Floyd. Yeah. So we have the hometown crew here. This is a Cabot Cove episode with just a touch of New York, just a touch of New York. And you'll see when we get into it. 
So we open at the Proctor household where Ralph is baking a cake or cakes with Danny and Debbie, the kids. And they're baking a cake for Vivian because Vivian, their mom, is returning from a business trip. Now, Vivian is their stepmother, okay? But they call her mom, they love her, all of this, right? Howsoever, (laughs) okay? Now, these kids are probably like eight and 10, something like that, either eight and 10 or eight and 12. The, The little boy may be 12 years old, maybe. And the little girl, she looks like she's about eight, though. And we find out later, because we got to kind of figure out the timeline, okay? But we find out later that Vivian met, 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 okay? Ralph, three years ago, okay? Three years ago, they met. They became friends. And then eventually the friendship turned into a relationship, which turned into them getting married. But they met three years ago. And these children are calling her mom. Now, if you because we find this out later, but if you're just observing this scene as the first time you're watching this episode, no backstory, because there is no backstory to these people. This is the only episode they're in. But if you're watching this, it looks like, okay, mom travels a lot for work. She's coming home to the kids. The This is her family. Like they've been family for years. Like regardless of whether she is their biological mother or stepmother, whatever, that that doesn't matter. But how quickly these children were willing to call her mom, how quickly it seems that Ralph would be willing to bring this woman who travels a lot. So like, I don't know how much time they actually had face-to-face to get to know each other before he brought her into the lives of his children and then married her and has them calling. And they willfully call her mom. It's not like, it doesn't seem like he's making them call her mom. So that's just a weird dynamic for me. You know, like, it's, you would think that they have been family since the kids were like three and five years old. Like this is the mother that they've known the longest. So I I don't know, this this is wild. But apparently Vivian travels a lot for work and she is away from this family three to four days a week, which seems like a lot, right? Because yes, if she was a politician for her state, either on the local or federal level, then she would be gone like four days a week, likely, because she would have to either be in D.C. if it's federal or in the state capital if it were local government. But at least if she was in going to the same place all the time, the kids could visit on the weekends, something like that. You know, they could have family time in D.C. or family time in 
Augusta, Maine. Because I looked it up. Augusta is the capital of the state of Maine. Yay, Google. Anyway, so that's not the case, right? She travels all over the country, allegedly, for her job. So I go back to my question, how well did you know this woman before you introduced her to your children whose mother died when they were young? So it's just been the three of them for many years, okay? So it's understandable that a mother figure comes into their lives and they feel comfortable calling her mom very soon. But I'm looking at you sideways, Ralph, because you don't know this lady. She is gone three to four days a week. And y'all met, we'll find out, while she was on a business trip. So it wasn't even like she, her home base was in Cabot Cove and or that she moved to Cabot Cove and your paths crossed. So she was there three to four days a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's not like she was in Cabot Cove when she wasn't traveling, okay? So how long did you know this woman? Like, let's let's talk days, okay? Weeks, months, because that three years isn't really three years. Anyway, so Vivian has gotten home in time for Danny's game. He is pitching, in Little League tonight, and they're all very excited. So the kids run off to get washed up, waiting for the cake to cool so they can ice the cake and they can have dinner, etc. So a call comes in while Vivian and Ralph are getting reacquainted since she's been gone for a few days, you know. And Ralph picks up and he's like, oh, it's an Eric. He says it's about business, it's business related. So she's like, oh, okay, I, I shouldn't have given out this phone number, I'll, I'll take it. She gets the other extension, she's like, I got it, hon. And he actually hangs up the phone because he has complete trust in her, which blows my mind. <laughs> Not that, because of course you need to have trust in the person that you married, but you're willing to put complete trust in this woman and you honestly don't even know this woman. You don't, you don't. But anyway, that's these people's business, not my business. Y'all just know, don't y'all be rushing into these relationships and marriages when you, definitely when you got children, okay? I watch way too much Snapped, American Greed, uh, Forensic Files, uh, Who the Bleep Did I Marry, all of that to be like, you really need to get to know people and then now you're exposing this person to your children? Oof, Mm. judgment. Can you feel the judgment? I hope you can, okay? Okay, because if if it's just you, do you, be careful. But fine. Fine. You're grown. Fine. Do what you want to do. But for me, it's the kids. It's getting these kids involved. Mm. Okay. We're moving on. We're in the first scene. Okay. Let's move on. So she picks up the phone. 
She says, she says it was a client from Chicago. She picks up the phone and Eric is like, hey girl, how you doing? Uh, how about we get together tonight at the Starlight Hotel, 9 p.m.? And she's like, um, no, okay. <laughs> I don't think so. And he's like, oh, I, I know. He says Ralphie, okay? Now, when he said that, I was like, oh, is Ralph the husband or the son? But Ralph is coaching the game that Danny is pitching in, okay? But to refer to your husband like that? Mm-mm. No, ma'am. So he's like, but I know you'll be there. You're saying all of this. You want to go to the game, whatever. I'm sure you'll be there. We both know you will be. And he hangs up. So then he's at a payphone at a bar. He then walks back to the bar where he was sitting and we meet Augie. So apparently Eric owes Augie money. Okay. And Eric is like, oh, that was my banker. Um, he was just telling me that he's, he's going to be able to give me a second mortgage on my house for $50,000 because that's the amount that he owes Augie. So Augie's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. I'll be back for my money. Now, like the tone of that conversation, I'm like, okay, we never find out what Vivian's job is because she actually has a job. Okay, remember that. She has a job, okay? (laughs) She has a job, okay? But I was like, oh, oh, does she have, is she a sex worker? Like, is that, is she an escort? Is that what's going on here? Because that was definitely the tone of that conversation, okay? So, Augie is like, pay me by tomorrow, Or, you know, basically there's going to be some slow singing and flower bringing to your funeral. Okay, so mm -hmm. I I don't want to have to, but if I don't get the money, there's people who need the money from me and I'm not going, I don't get beat for no one. So I'm going to have to murder you. Okay, cool. Okay, see you tomorrow. (laughs) Bye. So he leaves and we're back in Cabot Cove. And I guess the Starlight Hotel is like on the outskirts of Cabot Cove because Mort is the sheriff that handles situations that occur at the Starlight. So now at the center of Cabot Cove, Jessica bumps into Ralph and Vivian. And during this conversation, Vivian drops her keys and attached to her keys is a miniature license plate, which has their actual license plate number on it. Now, remember, this was a time when if you lost your wallet, people would look in it, see the address on your driver's license or government issued ID and put it in the mail. Okay. Uh, And the post office would take it to your house, I guess. Or they would personally take it to the address on the license. Here, I guess, because we find out later that Vivian frequently loses her keys. 
frequently and they have like a spare set in the glove compartment and here and here and everywhere. So I guess as a method to get the keys returned to her, if she leaves them out and about, they put the license plate number, a small license plate on the keychain. Okay. So of course the camera zooms in on that fact that there is a small license plate attached to these keys. Yes. Okay. So we, (laughs) so Jessica and Ralph are talking because Vivian says she's going to the library to help the kids pick out a book as she promised that she would. And Danny takes the packages that they got from shopping to, he's taking them to the car and Jessica's walking along with him. And he's like, I'm really happy that the kids took to her. You know, they were very little when their mother, Mary, died. Ralph, you don't know this lady. But anyway, okay. Okay, okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. So the next scene, we're at the, we're at a house, okay, on the nicer side of Cabot Cove, right? And Eric is rifling through a drawer. He then is uh, startled by his wife, Margot, who is holding a handgun in one hand. So I'm like, you ain't shooting nobody, okay? You are not shooting anybody, okay? But she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, "Um, what do you mean? What, What do you mean? Your husband is at home. Like, what are you talking about? And she's like, have you forgotten the court orders? Okay. Oh, what are you doing? Are you trying to find if there's any joint assets that you haven't squandered? And he's like, no, I'm I'm here to reconcile. She's like, yeah, no, get out. So he approaches, he, he doesn't take the gun, but he like pushes her hand down. He was like, you ain't gonna shoot nobody. Anyway, have a good night. So he leaves. So the next scene, we're at the Proctor's residence. They have had dinner. They have cleaned up. Danny and Ralph have changed into their team gear. And then Vivian comes out of the bedroom and she's like, oh, I'm not really feeling well. And I have a lot of paperwork to do. I'm like, girl, you came home to see his game. So saying that you got a lot of paperwork, don't make sense. But she's like, I don't feel well and da, da, da. So don't, please don't hate me for not going or whatever. So they're like, we understand mom. So they're super disappointed. Okay. But my question is, okay, (laughs) why couldn't, now I don't know what time this game is, but I promise you the game isn't 9 p.m. She has to go to the Starlight Hotel for 9 p.m. What time are they leaving for this game during a weeknight? Okay. So even if, let's say she got home at five, let's say they ate dinner at 5.30, finished at 6.30, cleaned up, and now it's 7 p.m. Okay. They're heading to the game because the game starts at 7.30, let's say. Okay. So you're telling me that you can't go with them to the game And then have, because someone got to watch the little girl, 
right? So now you're not going, who gonna watch your daughter? But anyway, she could have asked one of the, the ladies or gentlemen there with their families, like, hey, can you keep an eye on my daughter? I, I, I'm really not feeling well. I'm just going to go sit in the car for a bit until um, my stomach settles. Like, is it okay? And like, of course, because it's freaking Cabot Co. They were like, oh my gosh, yes, of course. Come over, Debbie, sit next to us. Okay. We got snack bags. You know, <laughs> would you like some water? I'm sure it'll be fine. And then she could go, quote unquote, sit in the car. She could take the car, go to the Starlight Hotel, do what she needs to do, get back in the car, come back to the game. No one would be the wiser. And she could just say like, oh, you know, I dinner was, got a little aggressive for a bit, but I, I was fine. I just sat in the car, closed my eyes and, you know, it took about 30 minutes and everything settled. I'm good. But no. So as soon as they leave, and I'm like, what time is it? Because as soon as they leave, she goes into her office, opens, well, not her office. I think Ralph works from home. He is an accountant, I'm assuming. But I don't know. He prepares taxes. So he may be an accountant um, or he may be a tax preparer because you don't have to be, well, he could be an educated Accountant, meaning he has an accounting degree, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he is a licensed, certified public accountant. I don't know what his business, what his uh, licensure is, but he is, he prepares taxes out of his home. Okay. That much we know. That's it. That's all we know. We don't know any other services he provides, just that. So she goes in the office, opens her briefcase and takes out an envelope puts it in her purse and leaves immediately after. I'm like, they didn't even turn the corner yet. And you're hopping in this car and it's light out. So I'm like, what, how far is the starlight motel? Like, how far is it that you got to leave at like seven o'clock at night? Anyway, so she gets to the bar because the starlight motel has a bar attached to it. Okay, she goes to the bar, sits there with Eric and Eric orders her a drink, though she doesn't want one. Frankie, the barman, is there. Um, And I actually think that that is that man's real hair, but like it looked like a bad toupee. Just gonna say that. Just gonna say that. Maybe it was. I hope it was. I don't mean to shame people for like their actual hair, uh, cause they can't help that. But I'm like, Oh, I hope that was a hair piece that he, he was just trying to, to save face. I don't know. But anyway, it was a little distracting, a little, a lot of distracting anyway. So <laughs> Frankie goes, gets her the drink that Eric orders. Eric is like holding Vivian's hand and like looking longingly in her face. And she's like, let's just get this done. And they proceed to leave the bar. And we assume go to a room for services to be provided, question mark. No, but that is really what they want us to believe. That is really the road that they are taking us down. So the next scene, it's the morning at the motel. The maid goes into room six and finds Eric dead on the floor. 
there is a wound of some sort. We don't know if it is a knife, a screwdriver, a bullet. We don't know. But there is a wound on his chest and conveniently placed next to his head are Vivian's clearly identifiable keys with the little license plate on them. And the license plate, when run, is her actual license plate, okay? (laughs) So it's not a novelty. It's her actual license plate, like I said, so that if the keys are found, someone could take them to the police, the police could run the license plate and return the keys to the Proctor family. So Mort gets there, Seth gets there, Seth says that it he died from a puncture wound to the chest. It appears to be a thin bladed item, okay? And it appears that he died six to 12 hours ago. He can't be so sure, but that that's his approximate, his approximation. So Mort says, well, we found a note. And Seth was like, it's clearly not a suicide note because uh, there's no weapon here, okay? (laughs) Not because of where the wound is, because somebody could decide to end their life that way. But if they did, the weapon would be there, for one. Or if they disposed of it, there would be a blood trail to where they disposed it, disposed of the murder, of the death weapon, I think it would be at that point. So Mort is like, no, it's a note that may indicate the motive for the murder. Okay. (laughs) So Seth reads it and it's like, basically, I can't take any more. It ends here. And he's like, oh, this is very pretty note paper. And Mort was like, yeah, like from some woman, And Seth was like, listen, (laughs) okay. Now Amos would have known this, okay? He keeps his ears to the street, meaning he likes gossip just as much as everybody else, but he can couch it as helping him do his job. But everybody knows, including his wife, that he is a cheater, a womanizer, a man about town. And she had filed for divorce. So mm, maybe she had a motive too, because that note could apply to the contentious divorce. Because apparently Margot, Eric's wife, is the one with the money. Okay. Mm. The actual nerve. Okay. (laughs) It's like, wait, wait, wait. So I'm paying for all this and you... You dealing with Sally, Mary, Beth, June, July, August, September, (laughs) Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every lady out here? Oh, no. Mm -mm. No, she should have shot at him. Not shoot him, but she should have shot at him. So he understood that mm -mm, you think you're going to just, you know, smile and be like, hey, let's, let's. Ignore the fact that I'm trying to pay off my gambling debt and that I cheated on you and I'm a horrible, in horrible debt because of my gambling. 
don't you want to pay it off so we can be happy again? No, no. Yeah, she should have shot at him. But anyway, so of course they recover the keys that were conveniently left next to Eric's body. And Mort says that he will run the license plate number that is on the keychain. So the next scene, we're at the Proctor residence and Vivian is packed and she says she has to go to Dallas. She got a call last night that there is an issue with a big client. She'll be gone for a couple of days, but she doesn't know how long. Okay. She tells him to please tell the children and then she leaves. I'm like, okay, girl. Wow. I guess the kids are at school. So yeah, that was a game on a school night and they weren't home by 9 p.m. Okay. Mm, that, that seems uh, terrible. Okay. Um, poor planning. How are these kids supposed to get sleep? Because 9 p.m. is really honestly a bedtime that's a little on the late side for an eight-year-old. Okay, maybe 12, maybe that's cool. But after the game, you're all hyped up. You're probably just eating at that point. Then you got to come home. You got to take a shower, brush your teeth. You got all of that and wind down. You're not going to bed till midnight easily, you know? (laughs) And you got to get up for school. Oh, that's terrible. So we then are in the sheriff's office with Jess, Seth, and Mort. And Jessica comes in and it's like, Seth, uh, have you forgotten? He's like, forgotten what? Uh, I have that children's fund event in New York City. He's like, oh my God, I did forget. You know, murder just throws stuff off. Um, yes, I'm supposed to drive you to the airport. Not a problem. And so Mort is like, yeah, you can go, Doc. I don't need you. Um, You know, I have a really hot lead and I think I'll probably have it solved by the time you get back, Mrs. Fletcher. So she's like, okay, that's great. And as they're at the door, at the door, Floyd goes up to Mort and he's like, oh, that plate that was on the keys comes back to Vivian Proctor and gives her address. Mort is like, Proctor, Proctor, why does that sound familiar? And Floyd was like, he's the one who does the taxes out of his house. And Jessica is like, wait, what, what, what license plate? What's going on? And Seth is like, oh, there were keys that were found next to Eric's dead body. And this was the, there was a plate number on there. And so that's what they're talking about. And Jessica's like, oh my God, I'm going to have to take a later flight. I'm like, how much notice did you have to give in 1989 to change your flight? Like, I understand there were a lot less restrictions and going from likely Portland, Maine to New York City, I'm sure there were a lot of flights, but I feel like she was going to fly out in like an hour or two. (laughs) She's like, I got to take a later flight. So the next scene, we're at the Proctor residence and Jessica is there with Mort and he is speaking with Ralph. He asks uh, Ralph if he recognizes the keys and Ralph is like, I'm not saying a word until you tell me what's going on. So Mort just walks over to their front door, opens it and is able to unlock the door with these keys. He's like, oh, well, if it's the door, so mm mm-hmm. It belongs to somebody up in this place. Where's your wife? 
And he's like, well, actually, I had those keys last night and I lost them at the game. And I ended up actually having to use the spare set that we have. And Mort asked if he knew an Eric Bowman. And he's like, no, neither one of us knew an Eric Bowman. Okay. And Mort is like, well, can I search the house? And Ralph is like, yeah, sure, fine. Like, I don't, you're not going to find anything. So Mort goes into the office area and Jessica follows. And she's like, listen, I know it's only been a couple of years since Vivian married Ralph, but she doesn't seem like the type of person, well, Eric Bowman doesn't seem like the type of person that she would associate with. At this point, Mort has pulled out stationery from the drawer of the desk. And he says that this matches the note that was in Eric Bowman's pocket. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Jessica now has to go to the airport. Like she just has to go because because she has an event in New York City. And it's, I guess, the next day or that same night. I, it's unclear. It is unclear. Okay. And we find out in the conversation that she and Seth are having in Seth's car that Seth is a chauvinist. Okay. Dr. Hazlitt is on some, you can't, she's not supposed to be the breadwinner. He stays at home and takes care of the house. What's up with that? He thinks that she's not going to tip and dip on outside, you know, which then turning that around, are you saying that women are unable to control themselves if they are in a business setting and their husband is at home taking care of home that they're going to be so attracted to a man that is also in this realm that they're willing to cheat on their husbands. But um, the husband that she would be cheating with you're not as concerned about him. Like that's not a problem for a man to go out and work. You know, if he want to tip and dip and dabble while he's making the money. So clearly that's okay. Is that where we're going, Dr. Haslett? Because I, I don't think that's where you want to go. I don't, I don't think that's where you want to go. So Jessica, you know, it doesn't apply to her, of course, because she's a widow. She has to take care of herself, Right. She's not taking care of a man. She's taking care of herself. So it's okay that she is in a male dominated business and she's, you know, going to places and having experiences that not a lot of women have. Okay. So it's okay for her to be making good money, okay? Like good money and to be in the semi-corporate realm, okay? Not necessarily, but she goes to business meetings. She's on boards. We find out a lot of other things. She's been in politics, you know, a lot of other avenues. And I appreciate that through this series, she exemplifies not just her, But in a lot of the episodes, women have high-powered positions. 
whether it's the editor in chief or the owner of a magazine, okay? Whether it is Lila Lee and the Lila Lee ladies. Granted, that's an MLM, but <laughs> or multi-level marketing situation, but still, that's not that's not the important part. That's not the important part. It's the women empowerment of it all. So, you know, and her being able to uh, exist in these realms, right? That she would not have existed in had she, had Frank not died. And even with him dying, she still wouldn't have reached these levels as talented of a writer as she is because she would have just kept being a a substitute English teacher or gone into being a full-time teacher, you know? But she was kind of pushed out because of Grady and his, run tell that attitude, but he was so proud of her that he wanted to show her work. So, you know, she kind of got thrust into this, but she is maneuvering so well that as she's sitting here, Angela Lansbury, Jessica Fletcher is sitting there (laughs) listening to this. She is dealing with this with such grace and decorum because somebody else would have well, he was driving, so you really couldn't knock him upside the head because that, that's a danger to both of you. But she's like, why? He owns his own accounting. He owns his own business, she said. He, he owns his own business. He works out of the house. He is not a homemaker. He works out of his house. Why is that a problem? That his wife goes out in the world, travels, and makes happens to make more money than him. And I also challenge Seth's opinion because before Vivian came along, you had Ralph as a single father. So he was a homemaker. He was the bread maker. He was, you know, he was the one getting the dough, like making, <laughs> making the actual bread, keeping the house. All of this, running the household inside and out. So now he should be seen as less than because a woman came into his life that is able to allow him the benefit of spending all this time with his children, still, you know, owning a business and working it, but not being so stressed out because he's no longer a single parent. He has someone else to, you know, share the responsibilities with, but because she makes more money than him, he's less than, even though he was taking care of all that beforehand. Mm. No, Seth, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. So Jessica is like, um, what we're not going to do is talk about your chauvinist views. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, Bye. Because... (laughs) Because Seth is basically saying breadwinner equals cheating on her husband. So does that also mean breadwinner equals cheating on your wife if it's the roles were reversed? Because I really doubt that Seth was tipping and dipping when his wife, Rose, I believe his wife's name is Rose, was alive. 
I don't think so, but I'm sure he was making more money as a doctor. Well, actually, no, 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 I take that back because we remember an unfinished business after Rose died, he, he was in financial straits. So he was looking for, that's how he got into that whole, um, deal with per trying to purchase that the land that, that those cabins were on. Yeah. So I don't know. His wife could have been making more money. Who, who knows? Who knows? But anyway, so the next scene, we're at the event and we meet Miles Austin, who is a fan of Jessica's, but his wife is a much bigger fan and he is surprising his wife with Jessica's presence, okay? And Jessica was willing to come because it was very short notice. I don't know how short, but it was short notice. And Jessica was willing to come because she is very charity-minded, especially when it comes to children and in all areas. So whether it's education, homelessness, feeding, whatever, that she is willing to drop whatever she's doing to, you know, lend her name, lend her voice, lend her money, whatever it is to the cause. So, you know, it's a win-win for her. She didn't know that she was a surprise for Miles' wife. She just knew she got called upon to help and whatever she could do for the children's fund, she was going to do. So, yeah, this is this is where it gets good. This is where it gets good. So, Miles sees his wife across the way, her back is to us. And he's like, oh, honey, honey, um, I want you to meet Jessica Fletcher. And the woman turns around. It is Vivian with her hair in a ponytail. Okay, girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. His wife is Vivian Proctor, but he knows her as Vivian Austin, his wife. So he's like, yeah, Vivian, come over here. And she like, basically like runs off. Okay. Jessica goes after her and they have a conversation in the office. Now this is a party that Miles and Vivian are throwing. So this is their house that these people are in. Okay. And Jessica is like, uh, what? Vivian's like, please don't judge me. Jessica is like, I'm too confused to be judgmental. Girl, I'm not. I'm like, so what you have now, listen, I'm just a regular person. So technically you don't have any responsibility to explain this situation to me, but I'm going to need you to explain this situation to me because if not, I will be on the next thing smoking to Maine and I will be at Loretta beauty salon telling everybody you got two husbands okay so I need you to explain to me and convince me not to just blast you over all of the state of Maine and the state of New York because they're in New York okay so Vivian is like okay I'll explain 
15, 15 years ago, she met Miles and they fell in love. He was, he is an older man. He's wealthy. He's intelligent or whatever, right? They got together, fell in love, got married. She found out that she could not have any children. Now, Miles was okay with this. And so she wasn't necessarily. Now, my question is, why didn't you communicate with your husband and perhaps look into alternatives to having a biological child? Okay, this is the, that would have been in 1974. So I don't, I don't know if in vitro fertilization was a thing or how far along it was, but adoption has always been a thing. So if you really wanted a child and he had the money to make it happen. So, but instead of having that conversation with your husband who you love dearly, okay, about whether, about your, your desire to have a child or what, he is living his best life, okay? He is wealthy. He is going in. He is in the circles. He's working. And so she was like, I basically was in his, in his light. And she was like, mm, just because like, uh, you mean mm, more like his shadow? She's like, yeah. So at some point I found a career and I was successful at it. And Jessica says, oh, well, He saw that you were busy and assumed that you were happy. She's like, yeah. And then about three years ago, she met Ralph while on a business trip. Okay. And Jessica is like, so you never mentioned Miles to Ralph. And she's like, well, it, when we met, I didn't need to because we were just friends But then the relationship developed more and we ended up falling in love and then got married. (laughs) Like, wait a second, you got a whole husband. And it's not even like Miles is her estranged husband, okay? Like she sees him every week. So she is seeing Ralph and the kids on the weekends, Okay, except for I think this weekend because of this event. So she sees them on the weekends. Then those other three to four days are between actually seeing clients, which we have no idea what she does. So actually having a traveling for work and seeing Miles. I'm like, girl, Miles have a whole nother family. Like you can't tell me that Miles does not have an entire family. Okay, or he's tipping and dipping with his ex-wife, you know. Familiar things, but like, <laughs> I'm sure she didn't say this, but I promise you, Miles has grown children. He probably got grandkids. He got he got something, someone to keep him warm on all of those days that you ain't there. Trust and believe. Okay, he adores her, but nights get cold in that big old mansion. Okay, and there are plenty of women who, or men, whatever your thing is, whatever or people, whatever your thing is, that will help keep that bed warm and will, that he may have not told any of them that he got a whole wife, okay? So you think that he, 
girl. What? So Vivian is like, please, Jessica, you'll destroy five lives if you don't keep my secret. And Jessica is just like, I, I, I don't, what? I, I just, I just, okay. I, I don't. <laughs> She's like stuck. Like, this is a very difficult position to be in. And at this point, Miles walks in. He says, I sent everyone home. I told them you had a headache. You know, please just lay down, get some sleep. Jessica, please stay the night. And Vivian is like, yes. And then we can talk over breakfast. And, you know, I, I, I just got so overwhelmed meeting the an author that I admire so much. And Jessica is trying so hard not to roll her eyes because Miles is standing right there. So the next scene... We're back in Cabot Cove. Jessica's not back there yet. So Jessica is still in New York. But we're at the sheriff's department. And Mort reveals his chauvinist backwoods Neanderthal views. Okay. And basically says, a man who allows a woman to support him is giving her a free pass to run around. Like, do you not see, can you not perceive that that would work both ways? So are you saying it's cool if he was the breadwinner and now they don't know he got a whole family, but if he was a breadwinner and had a whole family someplace else, would that be okay? Because, you know, he's a man and he's making all this money, but her... Of course, she going to get her a whole nother piece or pieces wherever she go because she's the breadwinner and she feels like she has the right to do that. That is wild to me. <laughs> Don't be this man. Do not be. Mm. Do not be this male. Do not be that person. Do not. Do not. Female, male, non-binary. Don't be that person who thinks just because I make more money, okay, I can tip, dip, and stick or be stuck, you know, by any and everything because I make more money than my significant other, especially if it's a wife or husband, okay? Boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whatever, okay? Now, friends with benefits, that's different. That is different rules to that. But just because, <laughs> oh, I make more money so I can do whatever the hell I want to do and then come back home to you and it's all cool. No, that's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. So we're back in New York and Jessica and Vivian are having breakfast and Jessica reveals that Eric Bowman was murdered and there's a warrant out for Vivian's arrest. And she's like, I had no idea. I've been in New York with Miles. And Vivian is trying to claim, I only met him once on a plane. I don't, I don't know this man. And so Jessica's like, well, your keys were found next to his dead body. And she says, I'm always misplacing them. I have no idea how that happened. And Jessica is like, well, you have to return to Cabot Cove because you out here and there is a warrant, okay? And not for nothing, Mort used to be with the NYPD, I believe. So he could just call in a favor and have you picked up, okay? (laughs) 
And Miles doesn't know any of this. So you just being arrested for something that happened in Cabot Cove. And then he going to put two and two together. Like Cabot Cove, not your whole husband. Because uh, that is illegal in both states for you to have two whole husbands, right? But like, oh, you wait a second. This isn't the first time you're meeting Jessica then. She lives in Cabot Cove. And they're arresting you for a murder that happened in Cabot Cove? Uh, weren't you supposed to be in some other state besides Maine on your last work trip? So yeah, she got to go back to Capico. She got to come up with a lie to tell Miles that she got to go. And Vivian is like, I promise you, if you keep my secret, I will tell Ralph in my own time. And I'm like, girl, I guess. But I was like, you got 24 hours Loretta's ladies about to paint the town with your business 24 hours okay because Ralph is a good man and he has two precious children who you infiltrated their lives and continue to wake up next to him three to four days a week on some lies. He doesn't even know you have an entire husband. And then when you're with Miles, you wake up and you look that man in his face. Okay. Knowing you got an entire family, the kids that you wanted, you could have had with Miles through, I don't know, adoption. This is wild to me. This is wild to me that you're like, I got together with Ralph. He was a great guy. He had these two kids. I couldn't physically have my own kids. So, ah, I kind of fell in love in this whole idyllic family that I could just hop right in because I didn't have to worry about the children's mother because she died. So no baby mama drama, no ex-wife drama. Like this is perfect. So, and he's so trusting that I just don't have to tell him about my entire husband. But then you go to Miles, who I'm sure would have moved heaven and earth to give you the children or child that you wanted. I don't mean the specific child. You know what I mean? Like to ensure that you could be a mother. Okay. So, cause there's so many ways to, to be a mother. So I'm sure if he, I, he would have went to another country and stole a baby for you. Let's be absolutely honest. Not personally, but he would have hired somebody to do it. He got that type of money. Like what, what, what features are you looking for? Okay, we're going to go to a country that has those features. We just going to snatch a baby. That's fine. Like it's okay. Like I got that type of money. That could have happened. Or if you wanted an older child, you could go through the adoption agency to get an older child. Cause you're like, I don't really want to change diapers. If I'm not birthing this baby, I ain't trying to change no diapers or anything like that. So mm, three to five years old would be perfect. He could have made that happen. But you didn't communicate with him about this. And y'all were together for 12 years before you decided to tip and dip and let Ralph stick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now we're <laughs> just wild to me. So now we're in the sheriff's office and Jessica is there and we have Vivian and Ralph being questioned, okay? So 
Ralph is kind of there for support, but there are questions for him as well. And so Jessica is like, well, you know, Vivian is saying that she was, she only met him once. He was trying to hard to get her to date him or whatever. So that letter could be seen as a rejection to a romantic advance, right? And so Mort was like, what about the keys next to the body? Ralph was like, I told you I lost those keys at the game. And Jessica's like, well, anybody could have picked them up. So Mort is like, so you deny being at the hotel to Vivian. Vivian says, yes. Now I want you to envision this. Okay. Uh, If you saw the episode, then you, you know, but Ralph is standing behind Vivian and to the side, right? He has both of his hands on her shoulders. She is holding one of his hands as she's sitting down and answering these questions from Mort, right? This is the dynamic here. Jessica is off to the side, okay? So now, have that in mind. Mort says, are you denying that you were at that hotel? And Vivian says, yes. Mort was like, well, then why did the bartender say he saw you there at the bar with Eric? So at this point, Ralph's face drops, okay? And his, I don't want to say grip, like he wasn't like gripping her. He was just giving like a supportive squeeze. That slackened, okay? And Vivian was like, I I went there to beg him to leave me alone. And Jessica's like, well, all of this is circumstantial. And, you know, I just don't want you to rush into and you know, make a decision that's going to embarrass you or however she put it. And Mort was like, okay, fine. I will hold off for on formal charges for now. Now you got Ralph standing there like, do I really know her? Like she, if you only met him on a plane, how does he have the number to our house? Okay, how does he know you live in Cabot Cove? How do... How is he contacting you if you only met him once on a plane? Like that would have been my question before we got to the sheriff's department because that don't make sense, okay? What she should have done is said, he was a client who wanted, who was making romantic advances, okay? after we established him as a client. So he had my home number. He knew that I was in Cabot Cove because he was a high level client, which this is all a lie, but um, at least make the story seem real, like (laughs) reasonable. He was a high level client. Um, I got his account from somebody else. Once I took over the account, You know, he was given all of my information because he was high level. So he needed to contact me at all times, you know, if things went wrong or if he had questions and he met me in person and he developed this unhealthy attraction to me and was trying to get me to engage in a romantic relationship or at least relations I turned him down, I turned him down, I turned him down. And I should have gotten human resources involved. I should have told, well, she owns the business. So like, she's the boss. Like, (laughs) 
I, you know, I should have gotten, I should have let you, Ralph, know so that we could discuss how to handle it. But I thought that I could handle it on my own. And I was going to go and demand that he leave me alone. And that's why I went to the bar. And I figured it was a public enough place that, but far enough away that my Cabot Cove friends wouldn't see me but public enough that I felt that he wouldn't try to harm me. That's why I agreed to go. Period. Period. Okay. (laughs) Then you seem like the victim still and your second husband isn't like, I've made a mistake. I have exposed my children to a woman that I don't even know. Because maybe because she's the breadwinner, I was okay with it. She seemed okay with it. I don't have an issue with my masculinity or anything like that because she makes more money, which is very progressive of him. Thank you. But maybe what people have been saying is right, that she feels that she can have affairs because she makes more money. Yeah, so that's what he's thinking. That is what he is thinking in the sheriff's department. Like, Oh my God, she was running around on me and it's because she makes more money than me. She wasn't running around on him. Um, I don't know if she makes more money than him because I'm like, is she, does she actually still work her job? (laughs) Okay. Or is this money just coming out of her joint account with Miles? (laughs) Interesting. So the next scene, we're at Jessica's house and she's still, I don't know why she still has conversations with Seth. I, w- I would have wrote him off. I'm like, how dare you? You and your views. But she she's, has it heavy on her mind about Miles and Vivian and Ralph. So she tells Seth and he is shocked. Okay, he almost chokes on his tea. Okay. <laughs> She gave him hot tea figuratively and literally. Okay. (laughs) He was like, I see most of the people in Cabot Cove naked. All right. Can't nothing stun me. Um, Vivian has another husband. He's like, wait, one that she neglected to divorce? Yeah. And so she's married with, and she still lives with him at the same time as she lives with Ralph? Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> he is, he is undone. He is undone, frazzled, concerned, and just like, I cannot wrap my head around this reality right now. So the next scene, Jessica goes to Margot Bowman's home and which is interesting, okay? So taking a step back with regards to Seth and Mort's view about the woman making more money, or in this case, in Margot's case, having more money than the husband, but Eric was the one who was running around. So their dynamic is Margot has wealth, clearly. Clearly she got money, 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 okay? And Eric is like a two-time hustler who is always coming up zeros. Well, no, I think that may be good in some games. He's always coming up craps, okay? (laughs) And 
So she's not out. Oh, oh, what? I take that back. Rewind. Keep going. So, <laughs> so Jessica goes under the guise of asking for a check for the children's fund, which is legitimate. And but this is her way in because, like I said, Margot is wealthy. A lot of wealthy people are very happy to write checks to charity. Some big, some small, some for recognition, some request no recognition, some in between. So, you know, it would not be unusual to ask wealthy citizens of Cabot Cove to donate to a worthy cause, especially one that Jessica personally uh, is associated with. So we find out from Margo that she's not upset that Eric is dead. They were getting divorced anyway. He was a womanizer and gambler. And it just came to a point where she just couldn't take it anymore. He was like that the entire time. But eventually she was just like, I deserve better. And that he had gotten, Eric had gotten involved with a gangster from Boston or a bookie or something like that. And she's like... I don't, I don't know. I ain't got to worry about any of that. And Jessica was like, oh, that had to be dreadful for you. So Jessica leaves and Seth has been waiting outside for her. And we find out that Margot could not have killed Eric because Margot was with her attorney, her divorce attorney. They had dinner together And then had breakfast together. Yeah. Um, Unless they, well, listen, Eric was a womanizer the entire time. So this is still a a viable example of how wrong they are. Because Vivian wasn't stepping out on Ralph because she made more money. She had an entirely different husband (laughs) that she had to be a wife to, okay? That she was stepping out on Miles with Ralph and Miles was the one who was making more money. So in that example right there, knowing the actual facts, Mort and Seth's opinion is proven wrong. You then have... Margot and Eric, where Eric was a, a poor womanizer. Okay, he was broke. He was living off of Margot's dime. Okay, or her her great granddaddy's dime, or whoever, or her great grandmother. Okay, let let's give it up for the ladies. Like maybe it was her great grandmother who brought the family wealth. So she only started stepping out after he did. That don't make it right, but. If under Seth and Mort's theory, Margot would have been cheating from day one and would have just kicked in the door. Like, listen, this is John. He is going to stay with us. Okay. I am the one who got is paying for all this, all this. So he, he going to be staying with us. All right. I will see you on Monday and Tuesday nights. The rest of them nights, I'm with John. That That's going to be that. Period. Because that's how I run this house. Okay, that's what would have been. That would have proved their point. But 
It did not. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, Margot, if you started a relationship with your divorce attorney after you became his client, that is an ethical issue. Now, if you were sleeping with him beforehand, then it's actually not an issue, okay, that your relationship continued. But if it started after, there are ethical considerations. He may need to lose his license. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe so. But anyway, so we also find out from Margot that the bookkeeper, the bookmaker, bookkeeper, the bookmaker slash gangster from Boston, his name is Augie. So this is one of Murder, She Wrote, Jessica Fletcher, Angela Lansbury, fan stands, favorite scenes, okay? Because <laughs> Jessica gets uh, real tarted up, Okay. <laughs> Okay, she spikes up her hair. She puts a lot of makeup on. She got this cute little, like, I guess square cut, you would call it, shirt. So showing just a little bit of cleave, you know, a little bit of decolletage going on here with some jeans. Okay, and she she's at the jukebox. She's giving a little shoulder shimmy. Okay. she She's trying to look like... Uh, like someone who's been around the block, okay? <laughs> so she she's talking to Frankie, the barman, and she's asking for about Augie. Now, she believes that the guy who's sitting at the bar is Augie. He is. And Frankie signals non-verbally that that is Augie. So Jessica goes up to him, and he's like, um, excuse me, ma'am? Uh, no, I don't want what you're selling. No, 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 mm-mm. And she's like, oh, you know, I just want to place a bet. He's like, no, 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 ma'am. I am happily married with three children. Okay, mm, bye. I don't appreciate when people be putting my business in the street, he says to Frankie and leaves. So Jessica has further conversation with Frankie and then she leaves, leaving him a tip, I believe. She leaves him a nice size tip. So the next scene, we're at the Proctor's home with Ralph and Vivian. And Vivian is like... Uh, it's really like just, I don't want to say out of it, but she's really contemplating her need to tell Ralph about what happened. The fact that she has a whole husband of 15 years that she still is married to, still has relations with, still lives with, yet y'all have been married at best two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that you actually did not know her and brought her into the lives of your minor children. How scary is that? So she's she's really in a bad place right now. And Ralph is like, is there anything you haven't told me? And Vivian avoids the answer or answering it at all and says that she she just needs, you know, some time to drive and clear her mind or whatever. And so she goes, she gets into her car, she drives off. Ralph runs right out the door, hops in their station wagon and attempts to pull off to follow her. But Mort pulls up and there's a second police car behind him. Apparently Mort got a tip 
that they would find the more the murder weapon in Ralph's vehicle. They do, and he's arrested. So the next scene, we're at Jessica's house. Vivian comes over and she's like, I just couldn't tell Ralph. I just, I just couldn't yet. Jessica says, um, but there's something else that there's something you're not telling me. And Vivian says, okay, I knew Eric and Eric needed $50,000 for gambling debt, you know, because he had, he owes some really sketchy people. So he attempted, so Jessica's like, so he was trying to blackmail you because he had found out somehow, some way about Miles. So Jessica is like, well, you know, why, you know, why didn't you say something? And to the police, right? Why didn't you get law enforcement involved? And Vivian was like, I thought if I just paid him that it would be done. And so I paid him at the bar that night. And Jessica is like $50,000 in cash. She's like, she nods. He's, she, Jessica says it was never found. And Vivian is like, well, I don't know, but I, I'm going to tell Miles. I'm going to tell him. He, he needs to know. So as she is coming to terms with this, Vivian's getting ready to leave. And Jessica gets a phone call, finding out that Ralph has been arrested. So the next scene, we're in the sheriff's office and Mort is like, listen, it was Ralph. Ralph believed that Vivian was having an affair. He was scared that he would lose his meal ticket. So he found out about Eric, probably when they were talking on the phone and they scheduled a meeting and he went to the bar to find Eric, found him and murdered him. And that it was a knife from their kitchen that was used to murder Eric. And so Jessica says, well, you said that it was wiped of prints. Why would he wipe his prints off and then hide the murder weapon in his car and not clean it off? Cause it surely was blood on that knife. And Mort was like, well, he was going to dispose of it later and he just didn't get a chance to. And Mort was, and Jessica was like, well, what was the tip? The tip said that they saw Ralph and that they knew where the knife was. So Floyd comes over and, well, no, Jessica asked, well, the person who called for the tip, with the tip, was it a man or a woman? She asked Floyd and he says, well, the voice was muffled, but I'm sure it was a man. So Vivian is, you know, there's nothing else they can do. So Vivian says that she is going to New York to tell Miles. And this is between her and Jessica. And she says that, you know, she's always losing her keys. So she goes to open her purse. This is it to get her keys. And she was like, oh my God, like, honestly, I keep losing my keys. And so Jessica asked, well, on that night at the bar, did you have your keys? And she's like, I don't remember. I lose them so often. And Jessica's like, no, I need you to think hard. And she's like, actually, I did lose them because I had to use the spare set that were in the glove compartment. So the next scene, Jessica goes back to the bar as 
the tarted up Jess. Okay. Should we, what should we call her? Veronica. Yeah, that's a, that's a hot girl name. Veronica. Vivacious. There we go. So Jessica as Veronica is speaking with Frankie and she's like, I have a sure bet. I have a friend who is a horse trainer and da, 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 and da, da, da. I really need to make this bet. Can you please give me Augie's number? This, this horse is one in 16, like it's so much money to be won. I just can't pass this up. So Frankie was like, don't tell him you got it from me and gives Jessica as Veronica his not Augie's number. So as Jessica's leaving, she leaves a set of Ralph and Vivian's keys under a very large tip. Now, I don't know what bill that was, but she says later on that she left a very large tip. Now she sees Frankie lift the cash and see the keys, sees the little license plate on it, looks up at her. She like avoid, averts her eyes and leaves, right? So the next scene, Jessica is back to Jessica at her own home and Augie pops up and he's like, you look familiar. Have we met before? And she was like, yeah, at the Starlight Bar, hotel bar. He was like, oh yeah, the potato pancakes lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, why, what was that message about? Apparently she called and left him a message. She said exactly what it says. I have info about Eric Bowman's murder. I know that he owed you $50,000 in gambling debt. And I know for a fact that he had $50,000 in cash in his possession when he was murdered. And Augie was like, oh, wow, he came up with the cash? Mm. And Jessica says, he was like, nah, he didn't come up with $50,000. And Jessica says, yes, he was given that money at the bar mm -hmm, before he was murdered. And so Augie was like, you think it was me? Why would I kill him if he had the money? And she's like, well, who else knew about this $50,000? And Augie was like, listen, I was at an all night card game and the biggest loser that night was your water commissioner. So I got an alibi, a good one. All right. And so I was like, like the water commissioner is going to admit that he was at some highly illegal gambling situation. <laughs> but if confronted, he would probably make this go away. You know, he would admit it on the low as long as it didn't get exposed. So yeah, I guess. So the next scene, we are at Frankie's apartment, Frankie the barman's apartment. And Augie basically kicks in the door. Okay, he just straight shoulders the door and it pops open and Frankie is in the process of packing. And so Augie is like, you know, I was thinking, who saw Eric get that cash? You know, you, you always got your eyes open, looking around, got your ears open, always, you know, alert. Where's my money? And so Frankie says, you have it all wrong. You have it all wrong. I don't have your money. So Augie starts going through the suitcase that Frankie was packing 
finds the envelope with the cash in it. And at that point, Mort kicks in the door again because like Augie closed it, but I don't know if he locked it. Maybe he did. But Mort busts in the door, him and Floyd, guns drawn. And Augie's like, what are y'all doing here? What are y'all doing here? And Mort was like, we got a call for someone disturbing the peace. He takes the cash <laughs> in the envelope from Augie. He's like, hey, that's my money. And Mort is like, mm, Mrs. Fletcher tells me something about this being blackmail money because that's how Eric got it. So Eric got it via attempted blackmail. That That's what he's referring to. So the final scene, we are outside the Proctor home. Frankie has confessed to murdering Eric. Now, my question, because, okay, Vivian left her keys at the bar, okay? Frankie saw the exchange of the envelope of cash, knew that Eric owed Augie $50,000 because Augie and Eric had discussed that at the bar in front of him a few days before, Okay, so that is how he wanted Frankie wanted to frame Vivian by leaving her keys at the scene. Got that. But what I don't understand is whose knife was that? Because they said he grabbed a knife from the kitchen, but maybe they're just saying he grabbed a knife, right? Because... And you know they didn't lock their cars. That That's the thing. How did the knife get into Ralph's car? And that is because they don't, there's no way that they can lock their car doors with Vivian always losing her keys. Because how would she get the spare set out of the glove box if she's locked out of the car? So I don't know how, Frankie found out where Vivian lived, but Cabot Cove is small. And it seems like the Starlight Motel Hotel Holiday Inn is probably not far away. And, you know, everybody knows where everybody lives, but also remembering that Ralph works out of his home. So everybody knows where Ralph Proctor lives. If they know he's married to Vivian Proctor, that Frankie would know where they lived. They don't lock their cars up. Most likely Vivian was out with her vehicle and the station wagon that the family uses was probably the only vehicle there. And Frankie would have placed it in there and then made the muffled call saying that he saw Ralph and that... Uh, the knife could be found in Ralph's car. Now, if he was able to get the knife into Vivian's car, I think that he would have then called and said he saw Vivian and coming out of the room. Would have said, I saw Vivian coming out of the room and the knife can be found in her vehicle. I think the only reason he said it was Ralph's vehicle and that he saw Ralph is because he could only get access to Ralph's vehicle to put the murder weapon in. So back to the final scene. 
Jessica, well, Vivian asked, well, Jessica, how did you know it was Frankie? And Jessica says, I, I actually didn't at first, but I knew that you, once you told me that you gave Eric the cash at the bar and that you may have left your keys there, I tested Frankie by leaving a very big tip and those keys, but he recognized that the keys weren't mine and didn't come after me. All I had to do after that was plant the idea in Augie's head that Frankie took the money. And so Vivian is like, oh, wow, okay. You know, uh, I, I want to let you know I told him. And Jessica's like, Ralph? She's like, no, 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 Miles. He, he, took, it, he took it rather well. Um, he understood. And we're going to just have a, a quiet divorce. And Jessica's like, uh, so you haven't told Ralph? get. And Vivian's like, I, I, I haven't had the time yet, but I will. And Jessica's like, girl, I don't believe you. <laughs> she doesn't say that, but she's like, at this point, at this moment, Ralph walks out. He thanks her, you know, ask her to come in for some tea. And she's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I, I got to finish my bike ride. I'm heading home. And so Vivian says, oh, Ralph, I, I need to talk to you about something. Let's, let's go inside. And so he's like, oh, okay, sure. And they're walking inside. They go up to the, they go up the stairs to the porch. Vivian turns, looks at Jessica. Jessica looks at her, a knowing look like, okay, she's going to tell him now. We don't know because we don't ever find out because that is how the scene ends. Okay. That's it. That's it. We're, we're supposed to assume that she is going to tell this man that she had a whole husband, okay? A whole husband that she was still living with, okay? Still having relations with, had built, even though it's just the two of them, built a family with him, okay? Build a successful business, okay? But now she... When she met him, they became friends, they fell in love, and she they got married, that she still loved Miles enough to keep him as her husband, okay? I promise you, Vivian never told Ralph. There is no way in this world, especially because Miles is giving her a quiet divorce, why would she tell Ralph? Miles is out of the picture, okay? So she still has her business. It's not like, oh, now all the money is gonna be gone. How am I supposed to explain that? No, she wasn't. She said that she got that $50,000 out of her business account. So I'm sure one, Miles will give her a nice amount of money. You know, he seems like he would do that, you know? And... I want to know what she told him. I promise you that she told Miles, I, I've met someone and I, we were friends, but it, it's turning into love. And I, I really want to make a go of it. And he has two children and they seem lovely. And, you know, it's, it's the family that I've always wanted. And I wish that we could have had that, but it just never worked out for us like that. 
girl, because you didn't communicate, but that, whatever. So, <laughs> so I'm, I promise you that's what she told Miles, leaving out the point that they had met three years ago and have been married for two years. Okay, left that out. And what she is going to do is never tell Ralph, okay? She's going to lie to Jessica and said, I told him, um, you know, I am, I actually do have a job where I do travel and have clients and everything. And I just told him that I'm willing to scale that back, the traveling, because now I don't have to go to New York to be with Miles, that I'm going to scale back the traveling to explain that so that we can rebuild the trust that I'm sure that he has lost with me revealing that I have, that I had a, a husband at the same time. Now, what she's actually going to do is never tell Ralph. Okay. If anything, if anything, she would tell him, I was in the process of getting a divorce when we got together. So I never told you that I was married because we were in the final stages of a divorce. It wasn't finalized. I didn't find out that it wasn't finalized until whatever. I thought that once I signed the last bits of paper, which happened two months before we got married, that everything was said and done. But when all of this came up, he contacted me, not Eric, but my ex-husband contacted me and told me that it had not been filed, that he just filed it and that now we're divorced. So I was technically married to both of you at the same time. So I, I, I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought it was, I didn't think that I needed to mention, but wait a second. That means, girl, that means you lied on your main marriage certificate, well, request. Yeah. Marriage license request form application situation, because it asks you, I'm sure if you are currently married, (laughs) but definitely if you've previously been married. So she's going to have to explain that, but that's why I think she is never, he is not going to hear a thing about Miles. Miles no longer exists. That life in New York does not exist. She's going to be home more. She's going to be a quote unquote proper wife, whatever. Anything and everything he need, I'm here, okay? I got this business that's successful that's gonna keep us afloat, okay? But I'm gonna be able to spend more time with the kids. Everything is gonna be better, okay? That's all you need to worry about. Everything is gonna be better because I am here with you. And this almost being arrested, you almost being arrested and really got me thinking and especially the look on your face when you found out that I had gone to that hotel to speak with Eric and you know I did not tell you that I never want to see that look on your face again so I I'm putting everything on the table she's not really everything on the table and we're starting afresh and anew here I guarantee if we were to <laughs> follow up, that's what had happened. 
Okay. So there's your fan fiction for you. Okay. Because we, we need some resolution to some of these loose ends here. <laughs> anyway, that's that on that. Another interesting episode. As I said, there would be a lot of ranting. Okay. <laughs> I prepared you for this. Anyway, <laughs> next week we will be talking about the search for Peter Carey. Eh, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> I, I, un- I remember the episode. There is a bit of scheming and scamming going on, which I always appreciate, you know. Uh, I'm a, a fan of American greed, but there must be consequences to your actions. That is the important part. That That is the important part. So it's a decent episode. There's nothing that I remember being overly upset about, but I haven't watched it in quite a while. So <laughs> you'll find out when I find out when... <laughs> how I truly feel about that episode. Anyway, until next time, you can find me on Instagram at the Fletcher Files Pod on Instagram, on Facebook Meta at the Fletcher Files Pod page on Facebook Meta. And of course, in the description box is the link to my Patreon. If you're not on it, get into it. Okay, listen, the content The additional content is just immeasurable, just amazing. Just get into it, okay? Regret nothing. Start 2023 getting everything that you can get. $3 a month for all of the content. Yes. Anyway, (laughs) until next time, promise me you will have an amazing week and I'll do the same. Until then, bye.